Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the start of something new, a DCOM podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me, as always, is my co-host and the only other movie theater employee to show up tonight. <laughs> Kate. And this is the podcast in which we review every single Disney Channel original movie in chronological order, all the way from Under Wraps to Zombies 3. And this is episode 23, in which we'll be discussing the 2000s Disney Channel classic, Phantom of the Megaplex. And oh my gosh, guys, this is a very exciting episode because we have a phantom of our own in the call. We have special guest, returning guest, Sarah. So it's excited. me. I'm Mickey Rooney. <laughs> You're Mickey Rooney, yes. Yes, Sarah's back, everyone. If you remember, she was on our stepsister from Planet Weird episode. She's back again to talk Phantom of the Megaplex because Sarah, as you stated in that episode, this is actually your favorite decom. A hundred percent. This is my favorite. Um, I've seen it so many times. And actually, we we just at my house cleaned out like our entertainment center and like all of our VHSs. And one of my VHSs is a recorded taped copy of Phantom of the Megaplex that I still have. I love that. I yeah. love that so much. She got the goods. You had to have a hard copy. You had to before Disney Plus existed, you know? I was going to say, I don't even... Oh, gosh. I, this actually makes me feel young, which is weird. I don't even remember VHSs of DCOMs, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, they, I don't think they them. made that. I really... Yeah, they only released like a couple. Um, and then other than that, you just had to like tape them whenever they came on and like pause for the commercials because you didn't want to record those (laughs) yeah I had the I remember I had a DVD of Camp Rock like way later but Mm -hmm. yeah for the most part I feel like they were pretty much stuck to TV but that's cool I didn't even know they had a VHS of of um, Phantom of the Megaplex so the more you know well only I do because I I taped it but I'm sure there's, oh, okay. there, I think oh. there's like a bunch of bootlegs of VHS, oh, of, D- of DCOMs oh, like sure. on eBay. Oh, so. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So we're talking fan of the Megaplex this episode, but before we do that, just a little check in. How's everyone doing? You know, how's everyone, how's everyone's week been going? Well, I'm doing okay. I actually, I, I feel like so relaxed and zen because, well, my wallet isn't, but I treated myself to a spa day yesterday with my mom um and my partner's mom we just had like a girl's day at a spa and I spent a little too much money doing it but I feel like so zen and relaxed and it it my life is good right now I don't know about you guys how's how's life going (laughs) yeah Sarah you want to go next uh oh sure I did not go to a spa recently um (laughs) there's like (laughs) but we did um yeah, Arizona has its own, um, you know, pseudo spa in that we have monsoons right now, which are like oh, big yeah. storms, very windy, right. very wet. Um, we had one the other day. My power went out for like an hour. Oh, no. And I was like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? Um, luckily, my my laptop still has a DVD player. So oh, no. and it was fully charged. So I just popped in a DVD because otherwise I was like. I mean, I could read, but I, I wanted to watch something. So right. I didn't have Wi-Fi. So that's what I was doing, just dealing with the storm and the power outage. But Dang, all good now. Sucks. I know the other week my power went out at like nine o'clock at night. So Really? I just, yeah, it was weird. It wasn't even like one of the real rainy days we had in the last few weeks. Because, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, it rained like all week. 
Um, but you know, our power went out around like nine o'clock at night. So I just went right to bed then. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, that doesn't sound bad. I could definitely use some more going to bed at 9 p.m. nights, but I'm a grandma. So like, that sounds really good to me. Yeah. So other than that, my week's been, nah, it's been pretty all right. You know, I've just been working, getting money, you know how that is. Oh yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I'm like our, I'm like Pete Riley in that sense, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you're mm-hmm. on that grind. On that grind, I'm getting that money. Well, all right, guys. Speaking of which, I wanted to hump, not hump, <laughs> jump right <laughs> into our movie. Wow, Freudian slip. Oh, love that. <laughs> love that for me. Yeah, so let's just jump right into our movie. So, do you guys want some background? Sure, go for it. Great. So, here we go. Phantom of the Megaplex is a 2000 American comedy mystery film and Disney Channel original movie. Um, it was released on November 10th, 2000. It's very interesting because it's, I don't know if you guys knew this, it's loosely based on Gaston Leroux's 1910 novel, The Phantom of the Opera. I bet you guys didn't know that, did you? <laughs> I actually always forget that it was a novel, which like I should know that because I actually study English, but the theater person in me just always like defaults to the musical mm-hmm. yeah the musical is kind of what like revived the phantom's popularity like honestly i feel like the musical is kind of what led to things like this even though i think it was the musical but after this i don't remember i i do very little minimum research <laughs> i know the movie musical would have been like 2004 or something uh, very very post megaplex but the musical hold on i have to find this out kate's googling um i feel like i really should know this but honestly i'm not like i i i love watching musicals but i'm not a big like singer or anything so i'm not like i mean you were in like two no were you only in the one musical in high school no i was in like i mean i i can like I don't even know if I should make this claim, but I could probably like match pitch okay. Like I was in the chorus for um, Hello Dolly. We did Hello Dolly and then we did Footloose and I was in the chorus for both of those. I was a, I was a dancer in Footloose and I have no clue how because I cannot dance for crap. Like I cannot dance. I have no idea how that happened. Um, so yeah, I was in the, in the chorus for those two musicals. And then um, the junior year I assistant student directed Shrek the musical then my senior year I opted not to take part in the musical for some things that Jake is aware I just had the there was so much drama in the theater department at our high school so I I took a few steps back um at the start of senior year and yeah Shrek really did a number on you huh yes Shrek was really a bad experience for me uh, which I would love to discuss at some later point and just you know if anyone from my high school were to ever listen to this I don't I, people change I don't blame anyone like to this day I'm sure people have become great people since I last saw them years and years ago but uh yeah I just did not have a good experience with Shrek so I kind of ended up taking some steps back I know you you still did uh Jekyll and Hyde though didn't you Jake yeah um I did both that and then also for the first time ever, our school did a spring musical, and which was we did Little Shop of Horrors, and I was also Ooh. in that. 
I auditioned to be Seymour and I didn't get it, but I still got to be chorus member. Wow. Yeah. Fuck the casting director who I assume was just the theater teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was she, our theater teacher was something. She was interesting. All theater I, teachers are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had personally like I had some really good experiences in community theater. It was school theater. That was something else but um a phantom of the opera according to the wikipedia page the musical came out in 1986 so like oh damn a ways before this uh this movie and then disney channel was like let's use this but take out all the music yeah and like a lot of the plot just throwing in some some basic elements but but hey we got mickey rooney so you know yeah, Who's really. The real winner, Mickey Rooney, R.I.P. R.I.P. Legend. You know he, you know he made it to like 2014. Did he really? Yeah. I wrote that in my notes. Like, how did he make it to 2014 if he already looked like this in 2000? That's crazy, actually. Yeah. He, I don't know. He, <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that uh, at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, there's a little gravesite for him that I stumbled upon once when I was there. I said, oh, it's Mickey. <laughs> oh, he's here. Mickey. He's here. I didn't know he was here. Like, I loved you in Phantom of the Megaplex. Truly. I Growing up, I knew him from this. And I, I watched the original Pete's Dragon as a kid, which he's also in. But, like, it was mostly this. Like, if I had ever met him, I would have said, you're the dude from Phantom of the Megaplex. And right. he would have been like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what I that's what I was um, aspiring to be known for in my mm-hmm. career. Not all the like musicals, Judy Garland movies, but yeah. Phantom of the Megaplex. Phantom of the Megaplex. True. Sometimes I wonder how Disney even got names like Mickey Rooney into these decals. A hundred percent. Like how much he's by him. He's giving it his all in this movie. Oh, he is. He's giving a performance. He's giving everything. He did not phone it in. He mm-hmm. is the dedication is just palpable. It's amazing. Yes. yes. I I literally I loved his character so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this movie was directed by Blair True True. I don't it's true, but the E and U are switched, so I don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced the same or not. But this was also the only decom that he ever directed, but he did also direct Wish Upon a Star, which I know Sarah knows. That's a movie. She, Sarah yeah, knows. that's a good one. Yeah, and he also did The Paper Brigade, which I think you guys also oh, did an episode good on. One. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. no more decoms, but some like offshoots some that offshoots. Disney aired on their channel all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now as far as um, the cast goes, of course, we have Mickey Rooney as uh, Movie Mason, you know, the real star of this movie, some would say. Truly, truly. Yes, yeah, so we have, and then also we have Taylor Handley as Pete Riley, which I actually showed a friend a picture of him from this movie. And I told him, apparently, because this friend had watched The O.C., and mm-hmm. apparently, according to Wikipedia, he was on six episodes of The O.C., and my friend Amelia went, is he Oliver? Boy, was he. And I'm like, he, yes. I I'm, the, I'm guessing y'all haven't seen the OC. I I've haven't. I've seen the first two episodes because after I saw Adam Brody and Shazam, I was like, who is this man? Oh. <laughs> um, he, I, it's funny because I actually, I'm re-watching the OC with like some of the cast members that are doing a podcast now every week. So I watch one episode oh, a week nice. and I just last week 
or like the other day got to the episode where he shows up at the end of the Christmas episode. Oh so he's only in yet yeah, those like six episodes, but he's such an annoying character. He goes, he's, he goes like on a whole crazy arc in those six yes, episodes. Yes, I remember being like in third grade when the episode aired where he was like trying to, like he was like holding a gun to his head and like really shaped me as a person. <laughs> um, but now yeah, you can never he- never look at Pete Riley the same. Yeah, I know. Well, because I remember seeing that and being like, isn't that that dude who was working all the time and at that movie theater? Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's considered like one of the worst characters on the OC. Like even um, in like the third season of that show, they mentioned like one of the characters is like, I wouldn't have done anything differently except maybe Oliver. Like we could have never been friends with him. Fix but. that up. Yeah. Yeah, so he's yeah. an iconic OC character for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yes, we have him as our main protagonist, Pete Riley. Um, we have Caitlin Walks, Walk, Welsh Walks. Okay, as Karen Riley, Pete's thirteen-year-old sister. We have Jacob Smith as Brian Riley, who's Pete's um, little brother. And unfortunately, um, I looked up. Apparently, he grew up to be Republican. He did. We were. Um... After we did our Cheaper by the Dozen episodes, we followed him on Instagram, and then we quickly found out that he was a Trump supporter, and, <laughs> and we like, were like, oop, oop gotta oop. unfollow. Unfollow. We have to unstand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we got Corny Borer as Julie Riley. Uh, that's the mom, which is also Kate. Fun fact, she's also the mom from Under Wraps. Oh my goodness, she is. I yeah I wouldn't have not made that connection but like now that you say it but also under wraps wow. for us was so long ago it was almost a year ago I know now. I know but I mean in reality like these movies came out only less than three years apart so right. makes sense but yeah I feel like under wraps considering we're almost to our one year of doing this podcast woo Ooh. um <laughs> it feels like it was forever ago honestly it really does um then we have john novak as george that's the mom's boyfriend uh, mickey rooney we already said we have rich hutchman as sean mcgibbon the theater senior manager and then we have colin fox as wolfgang niedermeyer the owner of the megaplex and then of course we got all of our supporting cast which all right sarah i'm gonna quiz you right now i'm gonna see if you can prove how much of a fan you truly are <laughs> what's everyone's nicknames Okay, we got Terry Totora, aka Scary Terry. We got Mark something. I don't know his name. Question mark. We got Ricky Rules. We got Racy Lacey. We got Hillary Honey. Um, is that all of them? Yes, because then there's also Merle, but he doesn't get a nickname. Merle, aka Merle. Aka Merle. That one employee that's a ticket taker that doesn't have a nickname, but he's the guy in Mean Girls who asks Katie if she wants her muffin buttered. Oh, yes. That's a fun trivia for you. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm learning so much. <laughs> and then isn't there also another Mean Girls cast member in this movie? Yeah, Terry. The girl who plays Terry is the girl in Mean Girls who made out with a hot dog. Really? Once. Yeah. It oh was one time. One time. Yeah, so that's our cast. So anyway, now that we've got the background out of the way, um, I know Sarah's already talked a little bit about her history with this movie, but uh, Kate, do you have any history with this movie? I don't. I hadn't <laughs> heard of it until Sarah said something <laughs> when we were. <laughs> I know. So bad. I don't know how. I actually, I really liked it. I see why it's your favorite decom. I just had never, I had never seen it. How about you, Jake? 
okay, I feel like I saw parts of it when I was younger, but I never saw the full thing till just now. I think at one point I was like, I thought like the Phantom of the Megaplex, I didn't realize what Phantom of the Opera was till later on in life. I thought it was right. literally just about like an actual ghost haunting a movie theater. I didn't realize it was like, you know, loosely based on Phantom of the Opera because like I said, I didn't really know what that was till later on. I mean, I feel like it would make sense. Plus, I thought this was, you know, a Halloween decom, which it, you know, it's got spooky, kind of spooky vibes, but it also came out in November. So I was going to say, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like actually like a Halloween decom, but. Also, it's set during the summer, which is probably how this movie theater gets away with employing apparently only children. Yeah, really, which, though. I make notes about this movie theater's uh, labor violations. Oh, 100%. Oh yeah. So much. Speaking of which, let's just want to hop into this plot. Let's get into the plot. Sure. All right. So we got our main character, Pete Riley, who gives us a little narration at the beginning over footage of the original Phantom of the Opera movie starring Lon Chaney, which fun fact, actually, because they show the scene of Christine removing his mask. Um, Apparently back in the day, that scene actually scared a lot of people. Some people even like actually ran out of the theater during that scene because it was so scary, so spooky. What a bunch of babies. <laughs> I don't know if they could handle horror nights. No, but it was also like, what, the 1920s? So really, what was the scariest yes. thing they've seen? Oh, my mm-hmm. God, World War II, but whatever. Everything is relative. <laughs> Everything is relative. But yes, he's explaining, you know, history. He's talking about history or something. He tells us that there was a movie theater that opened up in their town in 1925. And the first movie they ever showed was Phantom of the Opera. And then eventually that movie theater apparently just like came crumbling down. Like it just fell. But there's a legend that one man was trapped still in the building when it came down. So now his spirit haunts Um, the new theater they built, which is a megaplex, which, you know, Kate, you and me are from a fairly small town. So our movie theater, which unfortunately got shut down during COVID, um, our movie theater wasn't like this big. It was, you know, just small. It maybe had like what ten theaters. Yeah, it was actually called our town's name, and then nine. So it was a nine screen <laughs> complex. Yeah. So that shows you where we're kind of from in America. That being said, the megaplex in this movie, I'm not sure how many screens it was, but it remind me reminded me of I studied abroad in Manchester in the UK. And the movie theater there, or cinema, I guess, that I would frequent, it it looked so much like that one to me. Um, I'm going to see if, hold on. I just know it reminded oh. me, the Megaplex just reminded me of whenever, you know, whenever we'd go on like random field trips in middle school and they'd bring us to like a movie theater where Lord knows where they were, they brought us, but it was like a really nice one and it had like, it was really big and had many screens. I think... I remember one time in middle school, they brought us to like an IMAX, but we ended up just watching Stomp. Stomp. <laughs> Stomp. We just watched people do on an IMAX yeah. screen. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't find how many screens it has, but like, shout out to View, V U E, because, you know, it has to be punny. Cinema <laughs> in Manchester Printworks, it, it looks a lot like the movie theater in the, in the movie. So. Yeah. Yeah, wow. so Pete's explaining... Not what I grew up with. Yeah, the mo- the old movie theater went down, and now there's a new Megaplex with, you know, so many so many screens and it's two floors and all that. No, it's multiple floors. It's like, ooh, 
and he explains that he is the youngest assistant manager ever to work at that megaplex you know he's working them hours he's getting that money some say he's he's, proud of that he's proud of that he is so proud and he says that tonight is a very special night because they are holding a world premiere for a movie in this town that we because apparently they pulled strings because apparently it was like the movie filmed in the town and also like the act the lead actress is from the town so they somehow were able to get the world premiere to happen there Mm -hmm. which is like okay I think we had the world premiere at uh, of X-Men Origins Wolverine here. Oh my well, gosh. I don't know why. Like, that's- I don't think it was filmed here. I know, like, the theater had just, I feel like it had just opened recently. It was a 16 theater um, one at, like, an outdoor mall. And for some reason, Hugh Jackman and the gang showed up for that. So maybe Hugh Jackman just oh, really cool. likes Arizona. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe the monsoons remind him of Australia. I don't know. I don't know if Australia gets monsoons. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So they're having this world premiere of this movie, Midnight Mayhem. So we see them that morning getting set up for the premiere. Like they're putting up signs, they're cleaning, they're stocking cups and straws. And um, yeah, that's where he introduces us to everyone Racy Lacey, Scary Terry, question mark, all the gang, you know, the gang. I'm so impressed that Sarah could like remember those names. Like honestly, I feel like your level of skill with this movie is incomprehensible. I- I'm very impressed. Anyway, if, if you watch it a couple more times, you'll you'll have you'll, them in your in your brain forever. You'll memorize them. Yeah. We also get introduced to Movie Mason, who is Mickey Rooney. Um, apparently, his family owned the old movie theater that went down, and now he just hangs around in the Megaplex, and he just like thinks he works there which yep. is sad it's like oh i even wrote in my notes i think movie mason has dementia yeah he's yeah he's a little he's well, we not yeah and then we have an employee meeting where we basically learn this whole movie theater is only staffed by teenagers apparently yeah like i didn't see a single adult in that group besides problematic yeah i think it's just merle and then you know 15 teens um, that all need to unionize, frankly. They need to uni- unionize against Sean and get yeah. better truly better, better treatment there. Better treatment, yeah. Because we meet Sean, who's the re- regional manager, I think. Uh, he's this, you know, the, the big boss of everyone. He basically explains, you know, this is important night where this is the world premiere for Midnight Mayhem and Mr. Niedermeyer wants everything to go perfect. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Niedermeyer calls him in the middle of this meeting to tell him basically that he didn't get the promotion to general manager. And he, he was pretty, he's salty. He's very he's, salty. He's very salty. But because the nepotism, because yes, Niedermeyer was giving it to his nephew or I think something? it was his son-in-law. Oh, okay. Which even worse then, because like he married into the family. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, nepotism is the true villain of this movie, if you think about it honestly though yeah but yeah he tells sean he didn't get the promotion but he still wants the premiere to go perfectly so sean's like okay Which, like what any any good business person like <laughs> why would you say that right before a big event like why would you just casually be like oh by the way like i'm not gonna promote you right before this big event that your employee is taking care of i don't know i just feel like it was such a poor business decision Listen, but Meyer lives for the drama 
honestly though I want to know how he became successful like was he just born into wealth like I need to know I feel like I need a backstory here but anyway <laughs> anyway yeah so so yeah Sean basically dismisses everyone but he tells specifically he tells Pete that if anything goes wrong tonight he's blaming him which is like that's just how management be you know yeah again I don't think these are great business decisions but <laughs> not really anyway Especially because he tells everyone to go home get ready and then come back that night for their shift so I'm like wait so are they working like a double or a split or what's going on here this is just the, the add to the list of their many labor union violations honestly though but it works as a plot device, so it's fine. Yeah, so he goes home. So he goes home, which, by the way, he's got a pretty nice car. It's like a vintage, I don't know. That was Herbie. Cars. It was Herbie. They repainted Herbie real quick. And then mm-hmm. he gave the keys to Lindsay Lohan. We just didn't see that at the end. He exactly. says, Lindsay Lohan, take my car. And so we got Herbie fully loaded, which I'm pretty sure I actually saw that in theaters. It's a good movie, honestly. Yeah, so he goes home. We meet the younger siblings, Karen and Brian, um, and we meet mom. We learn that mom's got a boyfriend who she's apparently been with for long enough that the kids want her to, mar- to marry him, which I will say it is nice that the kids don't hate the new boyfriend because that's such an overused trope. I know. I was mm-hmm. going to say I felt like it was super refreshing that George was holistically liked by the kids and that the mom was in a healthy relationship after what seemed to be it seemed like it was alluded to that the dad died oh no it's, no the dad did die the, the wikipedia says that the mom's widowed oh well i okay maybe i i don't know if I, it was yeah. mentioned outright and i just didn't catch it or whatnot but yeah i thought that was i thought that was really cool i don't think i don't think it's outright mentioned they just make it like they just very much allude to the fact that dad's yeah been dead Super for an unspecific amount of time super heavily alluded to yeah yeah for sure but yeah so basically karen really wants to go to this pg-13 rated movie oh pg-13 oh no called was it university Univers- of death university of <laughs> death which that does sound like a pg-13 horror movie really mm-hmm. it does honestly yeah. she wants to go she really wants to go see this movie with her friends but mom's like no i need to babysit brian tonight and she's like okay so what if i just bring brian to the movie theater with me stick him in like some kitty movie and then i go with my friends but that's the plan she comes up with because originally she's i think she just agrees to do it but then she comes up with this whole plan and talks brian is doing it so her plan is that she's going to go to the movie she's going to drop brian off at what is it farmer, farmer brown goes to town farmer brown goes i love all the fake movie names in this it's so much yeah fun. Cyclone oh. Summer. Cyclone Summer. Glimpses of Genevieve. 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 And oh. I don't know what the plot of Farmer Brown Goes to Town is. It looks boring as hell. But yeah, Farmer Brown Goes to Town almost looks like a hor- more of a horror movie because he's like telling this woman to stay in the car and then she like escapes and he's like, where did she go? Mm-hmm. Like, are we sure that's not a horror movie? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it would have been kind of fun to be like the actors, though, for these like fake, oh, the fake movies. movies. If I go onto IMDb, can I find Farmer Brown's actor and be like, what was it like filming this? What was it like filming like five minutes of a movie to go inside another movie? Truly. Yeah. Um, also, we see Pete eating the world's largest bowl of cereal. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At first, at first, I thought it was like some weird rice thing, but then I realized it's cereal because he had milk sitting right next to it. And basically, he talks. Oh, yeah. um, 
And then mom basically says, okay, so here's the deal. Can you bring the kids with you to the movie theater tonight and then on your dinner break, bring them home? And at first he's like, oh, I don't really want to, mom. You know, I invited this girl to the premiere and I don't want my little siblings there, you know, like cramping my style, which it's fun because he didn't, doesn't just straight out say no because it's like he hates his siblings or anything. He's just like, just not tonight. Like right. the sibling relationship in this movie is actually pretty good too. Yeah, it's holistically very good. It's just, yeah, this movie. Yeah. This movie is pretty good, guys. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway. Good vibes all around. Good vibes all around. Really, so he, though. He agrees. So then we go back to the, to the Megaplex. It's unspecific, unspecified time at night because, I don't know, this movie's timeline's weird. But yes, uh, everyone's being dropped off. And Pete goes inside. And is this right up when we learn that like half of the crew is not coming in tonight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And R- Ricky rightfully is like, this is a violation of our our labor laws, our contracts. But Pete yeah. being the little, you know, robot that he is now is like, just shut up. Yeah, because even his mom says, I think you're working way too many hours. And it's like, look, man, he's getting that money. He's also 17. Pete's, so, you know, that, Pete's that tweet that went around a couple weeks ago of that, that person saying, like, the best thing young people can do is, like, work on the weekends. <laughs> and everyone was like, shut up. Right. Pete wrote really? that. Pete wrote that. He ghost wrote that. But he's also, like, he's 17. So, like, I assume college is right around the corner for him. So it's like, yeah, man, get that tuition money. Like, Lord only knows, Lord only knows you're going to need it. But, yeah. yeah, it doesn't really discuss that much what he plans to do after high school not really it's because like it's like this is his whole life right now like he's like i want to run this movie theater i want to be the manager i want to be sean yeah he's he's gonna he's planning on single white femaleing sean (laughs) but yeah yeah we learned like half the staff called in for that night and we learned that apparently because of this um all breaks have been canceled which is also very much illegal like Mm -hmm. sean just said labor labor unions i don't know her exactly exactly but anyway so we got like pretty much all the nickname characters and like two ticket takers and merle left for the night so they gotta try and because they're not only are they having this premiere tonight they're also still running regular hours beforehand and apparently like everyone like really in the, bizarre, but... yeah and apparently everyone in the city decided to see a movie that night because all the theaters are like jam-packed and the ticket line is like almost out the door it's ridiculous and they only have two ticket takers so what ends up happening well movie mason gets his time to shine so he gets to be a ticket taker mm-hmm. and, he and gets... then he starts calling out people for their shitty movie taste <laughs> i wrote in my notes movie mason is gatekeeping but he is not gaslighting nor is he girl bossing <laughs> honestly i wouldn't mind if he corrected my taste in movies i'd probably no. be like yeah you're right no kate uh, this I, is a crappy pick no kate he should let me be able to see the suicide squad <laughs> <laughs> like listen oh. let me take let me take the loss on that one <laughs> like just let me watch let me enjoy my, my let me enjoy my garbage i've referred to the suit the first suicide squad multiple times like it's a dumpster fire but like it's my dumpster fire i kind of like unironically enjoyed it 
no that's yeah so sometimes fair. you can just enjoy a movie even though it's not quality yeah, yeah. So. like it might be objectively bad but you're like okay i still like it am i the only one who understands this complex cinematic masterpiece true yeah exactly yeah, all those all those Honestly. tiktoks i sent you about muppet vision <laughs> yeah i literally was just about to say that yeah I muppet sent- vision bring it back to anaheim oh yeah it's not there right now they should bring it back i know mm-hmm. also did you guys hear yeah. they're updating philhar magic to add coco i know i'm so excited about that so basically no we have like eight people on staff tonight everyone in the city is coming to see movies tonight there's a premiere happening it's crazy but also this is where i believe we meet um donnie the bully (laughs) he shows up and pete's all like 30 year old man i wrote that i'm like why does this a bully look 30 so old especially compared to pete Mm -hmm. because pete was like at least what maybe early 20s when he did this yeah yeah but like he looks so old but apparently he's him and pete have always had like some kind of beef he explained to Tillery, honey, it's like, eh, whatever I want, he also wants, and he always gets it because he's, like, rich and, like, uh, isn't it just because he's rich? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So he's here now to also give Pete a hard time, and then Brian and Karen are waiting in the ticket-taking line. It's not moving because, yeah, this is when we learned that Movie Mason's not letting people go see movies he deems bad. So then Sean shows up, and he basically just kicks movie mason out and the movie mason has like the most dramatic exit yeah he's it's like a, i feel like him it's going down like, the escalator yeah he's yeah, like, like as long lead as you to think that he's gonna end up being the phantom because he's yeah. like dodo like yeah it's like as long as like this theater's here uh, i will be here with it and he just goes down the escalator <laughs> yeah. and i'm like dang mickey rooney really did give it his all he really did he did Bless that, that man he did that for us so then Eventually, Karen and Brian get their tickets taken, and Brian wants to get some candy from this contraption that I've never seen in a real movie theater. Mm-hmm. It's like he's trying to get some. So he opens the little handle door, and it comes right off. He's like, uh-oh. Then Diane shows up again. He tries to fix it, but then it just makes all of the candy just suddenly come right out. And then we get this, this, this scene where, like, because um, um, the girl that Pete was interested in is here now with her friend. What's her? What are their names? I know they have names. Caitlin and Lisa is the friend. Caitlin and Lisa, right? Because I know Donnie also has a black friend that does never says a single line. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is like okay, they didn't want to pay him. Got it. But anyway, yeah, all these like gumballs or jawbreakers or something come pouring out, and then all of a sudden everyone's just slipping on them like they're like someone just like freshly waxed the floor. Mm-hmm. Pete has to jump into action instead of just going behind the desk not the, the counter and getting a broom what does he do he's like oh there's like a postery thing like one of those cardboard cutouts and there happens to be a hockey stick in it and he uses the hockey stick to, like get all these gumballs into the trash which realistically wouldn't that take forever I felt like that would take like so much longer than just sweeping, but you know what? It made for some good drama. Yeah, it it made for good drama, and everyone's like, "Woo!" Everyone's enjoying that. And when he's done, he notices uh, Caitlin and Lisa have walked off with Donnie, so he's like, "Ah, like the maybe if he had you know not taken so long with the hockey stick, he could have gotten to her." Yeah, 
But anyway, so now we have Karen and Brian going into um, Farmer Brown Goes to Town. And this is when we learn about the cinema sitter, which, what? <laughs> yeah, I never heard of those. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure they're really a thing, but. I, I think they're just a made up concept for this thing because it's only one, it's the one old woman. Yeah, it's like this old woman wanted a job and then they, they just made one up for her. <laughs> so they hired her, but they wouldn't hire Movie Mason. Yeah. Like because otherwise, movie- like normal normal movie theaters just have everyone like check in on the theaters to make sure everyone's like no one's sneaking in or anything. Not right. this one old lady walking around. But hey, she showed up to work tonight, so you know. Mm-hmm. So basically, so yeah, uh, Karen sits Brian down for Farmer Brown, and he said, she says, "Don't go anywhere." This is where we get the fun part where the movie, like the fake movie, reflects what's happening in the real movie. Because Farmer Brown also tells the person in the truck, don't don't leave. Of course, Brian's going to leave because we need plot to happen. So then Karen goes and meets up with her friends at University of Death. And at one point, doesn't one of her friends dare her to, like, scream something in the middle of the theater? I would be so pissed if someone stood up and just started yelling in my movie theater. Like, shut up. Like, not going to lie. And the next they talk multiple points in this movie and people actively shush them, so... Mm-hmm. yeah her friends are the worst by far her friends are kind yeah. of bad they, it was like they weren't even there to like watch the movie they just wanted to chat pretty much <laughs> um, so now basically this is when things start going crazy because firstly we learn Sean is nowhere to be found Sean disappeared and then this is when like all the movies start getting messed with what's the first one that gets messed with isn't it like isn't it glimpses of Genevieve I think so. Yeah, this is yeah, a Genevieve. So. It's like the films being like turned on and off at random points. So you, like, you really are only getting glimpses of Genevieve, which remind remind that remember that it's going to be important later. So, um, because because Sean's not anywhere to be found, uh, basically Pete has to now step up and run this whole theater as a seventeen year old with no break. Pete, be stressed. I wrote in my notes at that point. I just leave. <laughs> Honestly. I say it's not worth it. <laughs> so that happens, and I think um, so. He goes up to like the projector booth or something, and Merle's also nowhere to be found. So it's mysterious. But then I think Brian just shows up in the projector booth out of nowhere and just claims it's the Phantom of the Megaplex. He's messing with everything because you're bringing a Hollywood premiere to this theater. Which is like, why wouldn't you want that? But okay. It's like weird motivation, but okay. I don't know. So from here, basically all the movies get messed with in some way, shape, or form. Because there's um what cut to black where the lights keep going on and off. There's um ironically nothing happens in University of Death or Farmer Brown, though. That's interesting. Yeah, the two that the kids were in are fine, but everyone else everyone else gets something happens to them. Um yeah, so eventually Brian, not Brian, uh, Brian's trying to get Pete to believe him to help him investigate the, the mystery, but like Pete's all like, dude, it's not, it, it can't be this phantom thing, that'd be dumb. <laughs> We're not doing this. But he's 100% like, no, it's gotta be. And then I believe eventually he gets to the point where it was Cyclone Summer, apparently there's a legitimate tornado happening in there, which is weird because it's just like one big fan. 
Can we just talk about that one woman and her iconic line of run for your lives, children. It's a tornado. I love it. <laughs> She's like going out. Incredible. She, she gave showed her up, all. did her job. She did. Yeah. Something else we need to talk about. For some reason, everyone in this movie theater is so ready to like yell at a 17 year old. This whole movie theater is apparently filled with Karens. Pretty much, yeah. Because like every time something goes wrong in a movie theater and Pete like tries to like calmly um like put the situation like calm the situation down they're all just yelling and like throwing things at him and i'm like what the heck he's even saying if you want a refund you know you can go get a refund but like you know we'll, we'll sign some we'll try to do something but everyone's just not having it they're just like yelling at him I'm like dude what the heck like, yeah this town seems mean this town seems mean but apparently they all love movie mason because movie mason was um like welcoming people to the theater earlier and, and like several people knew who he was so apparently mm-hmm. movie mason's like a beloved figure in this town good for him good for him and yet you know? he still won't get hired they still won't hire him yeah As, honestly that's just on sean yeah honestly because really sean is really just like not great yeah he's a jerk we'll learn more later but yeah so this um twist this uh tornado things happening and i believe isn't this the movie that um caitlin and lisa were seeing mm-hmm. yeah so pete goes to the front row and then immediately is right in front of the fan so he just gets blown right back into the seat which i don't know if you ever sat in the front row of a movie theater but that's honestly the worst row to sit in it sucks I yeah, absolutely yeah. I'm, I'm gonna admit something right now the only time i ever got stuck in the front row of a theater is when i went to see cars 2 I was going to say for me, I think I sat in either row one or two when I went and saw like a midnight premiere of when we, I think I told you this, Jake, like I went to a midnight premiere of one of the Twilight movies and it was a big deal for me. Uh, Yeah, with my friend um, and her older sister, I was probably like 11 at the time, 11 or 12, such a big deal for me. But anyway, it was packed and we were in the like first I don't know if we were the first row, but we were in like the first two or three rows and it was not a good view, but it was still like, I was like, oh, midnight premiere. I am bad. I'm staying up <laughs> late. Yeah. I'm staying out late to see Twilight. Ooh. 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 You know, um, so yeah, Pete eventually turns the fan off. Once again, tries to get the situation dealt with, but everyone's just yelling at him. He's like, okay. Meanwhile, um, I believe at this point, oh, for some reason at this point we cut to the mom and her boyfriend on their date, which this is such a weird like D plot that we cut away to. It's weird. Yeah. The potted plant analogy. Oh my God, yes. When they're like, you know, these two potted plants look perfectly fine where they are, but you know, would it, would it be bad if we put them in the same pot? <laughs> which it's so funny because when we cut to the end, we learned that he wasn't really planning on proposing tonight anyway, but... Yeah. We also, I believe, um, this is when Pete calls mom and basically says, hey, um, so things are going crazy tonight. Can you come pick Karen and Brian up? And then yeah, thinks, and she's yeah. like, sure. But sure. then things go awry even more because of course they do. Right, because even more movies are being messed with. Like, I think, wasn't doesn't one of them, the fire alarm goes off on them? Maybe. The uh, sprinklers. Yeah, sprinklers. sprinklers. 
because um, before Picos investigate that, um, apparently Donnie pulled, there was this sword in the stone thing they had in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently- It's very the, Disneyland, what is very, that? Yeah, the, Disneyland, the sword in the stone, right in front of the carousel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently whoever pulls it gets like a free movie pass or something and Donnie's, be- Donnie's being a real Karen about this he's like I'm not leaving until you give me my thing and they're like well we can't give it to you tonight we can give it to you tomorrow and he tries to get his way into the premiere he's like well then let me stay for the premiere and uh, Pete shows up and he's like listen Donnie um, he basically ready to throw hands with them I, yeah they, they were gonna fight they were gonna fight in this disney channel movie and i wanted to see it but then we didn't because then the fire alarm goes off and he goes to investigate i believe at this point this is at this point that brian and karen um go down into the basement um yes because they pete tells them to wait on the bench for mom and instead of doing that Brian goes to see where Movie Mason takes his dinner breaks. In yes, the because they still think it's a Movie Mason because, um, I don't know, because he seems to have the best motive to do it because Sean threw him out. So yeah, they go down to the, apparently the 50-story low basement. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. how, did, how did Mickey Rooney get through all those stairs in his age? Well, I mean, apparently he did, I mean survived for 14 years after this came out so that's true i mean he, he could have been in good shape i don't he's know resilient <laughs> but yeah he so they go down awesome. to the basement far down enough where they find a bunch of old movie props which is a little weird because this wasn't like a studio this was just a theater and then we get that amazing shot where it goes from the because brian <laughs> thinks he's solved it because there's a phantom of the opera poster in the basement and it goes straight from the Phantom's face and just morphs into Mickey Rooney. He's like, hello, children. When he says, yeah, hello, children. See, that's cinema. <laughs> that True should be art. on the big screen. I even wrote mm-hmm. in my notes, Ron, it's Mickey Rooney. That and was then, iconic. Yeah, and then Brian straight up asks him, are you the Phantom? And Mickey Rooney goes into this whole monologue. Like I said, he, he was not here to play. He came here to act. Could have been a one-word answer. He spends ten minutes saying, "Like it could never be me." Could never be me because um, when you're born, you know, you're born into this world with like movies and magic and butterflies and things. Yeah, he just goes, "No, it's not me." Like, oh, okay. But also, like, the better question is, why do you hang out here in the basement? (laughs) I'm like, does he live in the theater? Does he not have an actual house? Does he just live in the basement? Which, Wouldn't doubt it. Which I guess would parallel actual Phantom because that's what he does. He just lives in the basement. Right. And then, yeah. So it's not Movie Mason. So now they're back to square one of, well, then who is it? Uh, meanwhile, um, Pete and the others are kind of cleaning up all the mess. And then the agent lady shows up. She's like, my clients have been sitting in their limos for like th- three quarters of an hour. And I'm like, how early were they told to get here then? Because they still haven't cleared yeah. out the theater yet. Yeah. Which, I feel just, like that's not entirely the theater's fault. But like, okay. No, but also it's just, like I said, it's just so weird that they decide to run normal hours and then also have a premiere the same day. I agree. I agree. But they like, just wanted that money. You know, Sean just doesn't care about what uh, laws he violates. Also, I think we forgot the first time they find Sean tied up because Brian and Pete go down to the basement at one point to get the velvet oh, yeah. 
and they find Sean just bound, gag, and tied up. And he's like, I don't know what happened. Suddenly I was just like this. I came down here to get the velvet ropes. Yeah, and that's when he gets on the phone with Niedermeyer again and says the premiere is going to be fine. But then he's missing again. So they're like, great, Sean's missing again. And we still have to set the premiere up. And this agent lady shows up and says if um, Sean isn't there to greet her clients when they come in, they're leaving. Yeah. It's like this whole night's going crazy. Um, and her clients clearly don't care. Like, because we, we see Ashley Madison Metz later and she's like the nicest person. It's oh clearly gosh, this yeah. agent who's just like, why won't you let us in? She's a Karen. Yeah, a- a- Allison. Was it a- Allison Ashley? Metz. Ashley Addison. Ashley Madison Metz. Yes, I, I love because you know that's how you know it's a celebrity. They have three names: Sarah Jessica well, Parker. And I think it's supposed to be. I th- yeah, I think that's supposed to be like a like a Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Hewitt type thing. And then oh, yeah. the other name they say is, um, Jacob. Johnson or something and I think that's supposed to be a reference to Joshua Jackson from Dawson's Creek because oh. they they mentioned the show like Laughlin's Dream or something oh yeah so it's I like a parody I think of that's what they, they were trying to do yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just try and go full out and try and parody James Vanderbeek like I try know, and make but... a parody name from that I dare you <laughs> yeah but yeah so she's basically like my clients are waiting you better let us in soon and they're like, great. And Sean's still missing. But yes. Um, so I believe then we cut back to the mom and her boyfriend. And for some reason, the car isn't starting, which, okay. Of course. It's the work of the Phantom. It's the Phantom. He, he, he left the theater for a hot second to like mess with George's car. So they're going to be late in picking Brian and Karen up so that they don't get there till the premiere starts. But eventually, everyone reconvenes. Brian and Karen say, okay, so the Phantom's not movie Mason. We don't know who he could be. But then they realize all of the Phantom's uh, crimes, I guess, <laughs> strikes have been dealing with what the movie's title is. Wait, did the movie plot. have they, maybe I'm skipping ahead, but I can't remember. Did they see that like trailer that kept going around and around? Not yet, not no? yet. Okay. That's coming up. Yeah, okay. so they realize so if he's going to have his big moment during Midnight Mayhem, they need to know the plot of Midnight Mayhem. And Pete's like, nobody knows the plot of it. It's not out yet. And Brian's like, well, you don't know about the internet. The dark web. The dark. Yeah, because how else would they know the full plot of a movie that hasn't premiered anywhere yet? Not like this was like at a film festival beforehand. Right. Which I also love because I know this, the new Space Jam just came out like a day ago or something and i checked the wikipedia it already has the full plot listed out and it's like dang that's quick but yeah i mean so i'm they're... sure it's not too complicated of a plot either i mean i may have no i know i'm trying to think like what is it supposed to be it's like at first i thought it was a godzilla thing and then i thought mm, is it jurassic park maybe it seemed more jurassic park all i know is at the end i said oh no bowser's here and the <laughs> yeah. final scene the climax yeah but yes, yeah, so they have to go on the internet because we're still in the 2000s and internet, you know, find a spoiler website, which is, I'm going to assume it's just on the dark web because where else would it be? Right. And they got to figure out what the Phantom's going to do. But in doing so, they go to Sean's office and what do they find right on the, hanging on the door? Sean. He's bound and gagged and tied up A again. dead man. 
a dead man. No, they seriously treat it like they just found a corpse. They're like, oh my the, god, those screams. I remember yeah. that was where they like cut to a commercial break. I believe oh, did was they? after they screamed. See, that's the like, thing about watching these on Disney Plus. I can't really tell when they would cut the commercial because of how they think they've edited it to like, yeah, to feel more cohesive. But you know, they scream at the same time. They scream. Isn't like Hillary Honey and uh, Scary Terry cleaning the girls' bathroom, and we see mm-hmm. that Karen's friends tried to sneak into the premiere too by staying in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. they're the worst they're the worst they get kicked out i'm pretty sure they get kicked out so we never see them again also we never see donnie again they just dropped Good. that whole plot line <laughs> they said okay get get that 30 year old man out of here truly so after they um free sean again he's like i don't know what happened i just got tied up again and they're like okay and they leave to go meet Niedermeyer and everyone at the front but what does karen find on the floor the key the key so that's our next clue the key so they go downstairs uh pete sean and all the other eight employees of the theater and they meet all the celebrities they meet the director of midnight mayhem who's apparently british and they're basically like oh yes we're so happy to have you all here and all of a sudden like a string comes down from the ceiling and racy lacy just pulls it and this net holding a bunch of balloons comes down, but the balloons have been switched with water balloons. Yeah. Which Lacey is, really ruined this for yeah. everyone. She saw totally. she saw it and went for it. It's also funny because like just water balloons, like if I were the Phantom, I'd at least fill that with something that would stain everyone's clothes just to like somewhat help with Just to like spite them a little bit more. Like in the Even Stevens movie when the balloons fill with spaghetti. Oh yeah. <laughs> something like that something like that spaghetti no just spaghetti sauce because then it's all red Mm. and you could be like it's a reference to carrie when you know she gets covered in Mm. all the red yeah no the phantom should should have used pig's blood right real pig's blood real pig's blood don't ask where he got all of it it's getting dark (laughs) all up in here (laughs) y'all but yeah so everyone i guess dries off and they go into the theater oh we also missed the part yeah, because before this, um, the siblings go into the theater and they see that there's just the trailer for Midnight Mayhem playing on loop. And isn't that what br- makes Brian suspect Merle? Yeah. Because who else could set up the projection? But then they go up to the, like the projecting or the projector room and then they find Merle and he's like, yeah, I have no idea how I got there. But that doesn't stop they see Brian. the real phantom. Yeah, down in down the... There. And down in the theater with the fog machine but also that doesn't also st- before um brian sees the phantom he like goes real hard in on merle he's like you're the phantom just admit it and it's like yeah like, merle was about to slap that kid <laughs> i would i would have i've been like what <laughs> this yeah justice yeah, for merle justice for justice merle, for merle. Really deserves it so yes um after that then it's the premiere everyone Loads into the theater. Everyone's coming in through the front. Movie Mason seeing Hooray for Hollywood. Oh like, my god, iconic. iconic. Put it on Spotify. Song. Put it on Spotify in memory of Mickey Rooney. Truly. Um, the parents, not the, well, the mom and the boyfriend finally show up and they're like, okay, here's the thing. I'm not trying to get into the premiere. I'm just trying to get my kids. And the ticket taker, whose name we don't know, lets them in. Also, we learned that at I'm going to mess her name up again. What is it, Sarah? The, the actress, the lead actress? Ashley Madison Metz. We learned that apparently she's a good friend of Movie Mar- Movie Marl, Movie Mason. 
Um, and mm-hmm. that apparently Movie Mason's the one who encouraged her to be an actress. And for a hot second, I thought they were going to pull out that's actually his daughter. Yeah. For some point. reason, this old man, this adult uh-huh. man, like, had an influence on this child. But Well, because she whatever. always would, because she grew up here. She always went to the Megaplex. And I assume Movie Mason's always just been hanging out on the Megaplex. Mm-hmm. They told this this girl you should be in you should be in pictures he probably says that to everyone though he says that to all the girls <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you're how, so pretty you should be in the pictures yeah <laughs> the talkies <laughs> oh my gosh kate you remember that play we did about the talkies oh my goodness yes i do yeah in wasn't high school three times our, the charm wasn't that our winter show one year yeah it was like our i think it was our spring show yeah we did a play about hollywood right when talking movies first came out and to be uh not like the other girls we had everyone dressed (laughs) in black and white and we painted all the sets black and white honestly i like looking back i barely remember i don't remember the plot of it at all i don't either i I had like three lines yeah i just remember it was about hollywood and star talking movies and like yeah because we, we were in ninth grade so we were like the bottom of the totem pole so i got like my three to five lines and was like okay for you it sounds like it was like singing in the rain without any singing or rain yeah pretty much because it was just a play because normally we do one musical in the fall and then two plays in the winter and spring which is why high school musical the musical the series season two really throws me off i'm like you guys have enough money to do two musicals like yeah right see but like as someone who like wasn't a musician like i i would have felt so ripped off if we had never had straight shows and like just plays um because yeah i like i would never be a soloist in a musical (laughs) like you you needed you needed the place to get something i needed the place so (laughs) um yeah i mean they are more expensive typically to do musicals but honestly yeah i would have just felt so sad if we hadn't done plays because i mean i still would have been involved but uh, since like music isn't my jam like i'm not especially talented in it or anything like that it just would have been sad to like perpetually be the chorus girl i mean i'm grateful for my time in the choruses don't get me wrong but you know it's nice to actually have like roles with a named character occasionally right yeah so that was our anyway some of our more of our our high school theater experience (laughs) yeah that comes up like literally every episode pretty much but yeah so everyone's piling into the theater um movie mason gets to come back in because he knows the lead actress which sean's just like what Sean's just like, what is happening? And then everyone's in the theater. And that's what we learn. Also, the the mayhem monster inflatable from the roof is missing. Mm-hmm. Now, that, mm-hmm. now that Brian's read the spoilers, he realizes it's the phantoms doing. And they say, we got to go up to the roof. And Brian, and not Brian, Pete's like, you can't go up to the roof without a key. And Karen's like, what's this? What's this then? Might as well try it. And they go up to the roof and they see one, yeah, they see the mayhem monster's gone, but all of a sudden the phantom appears and he throws a 
blanket over them and ties them up, and it's like, oh dang! It's like these children could have Can you fallen off. That? Sorry. Oh, uh, the it phantom broke up on over. my end. Oh, the phantom shows up, throws the tarp over them, ties them up on the roof. Yes. Yeah. In a way that they could have fallen off that roof because Pete says there's guardrails. No, there isn't. I know it felt dangerous. Like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have tried moving at all. I'd be too scared. Be too Same. Though, imagine the alternate ending where these three kids just fall off a roof and die. Yeah, they just shuffle the their gets caught. That's the that's the director's cut. Honestly, mm-hmm. though, it turns into a horror movie. Yeah, so they eventually realize what well, in order to get free, they have to like snag the rope on like a valve or something. But meanwhile, while it's happening. Everyone in the main theater is, you know, settled in for the movie, and they have the director say a few words. Which this is reminds me. Um, um, I saw a video from the Black Widow premiere. Apparently, Scarlett Johansson wasn't even there. She had this. She just made a pre-recorded video for everyone to watch. Womp womp womp. She's like, I can't make it. I'm sorry. Just here's a. Were like other cast members there? Yeah, like Florence Pugh was there. Oh, of course she was. That's why we stan. We stan her. I'm not surprised by ScarJo. No. She's like, listen, this is my last thing for you people. Yeah. And then, yeah. But yeah, so everyone's in the fear. The director starts saying some words, but then what happens? The inflatable mayhem monster shows up on the balcony and starts just inflating. He just starts growing. It's like, oh, no. And also the exits are blocked off by inflatable gorillas. By some King Kong looking, yeah, inflatables. Yeah, we got Bowser, we got Donkey Kong, everyone's here. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So eventually the siblings undo the rope and they get down into the theater again and they're like, all right, we got to do something to deal with this inflatable. And instead of just like, I don't know, grabbing something that could pop it, what does um, Louis Mason <laughs> tell Pete to grab? A sword, oh. of course. Yeah the sword but he's like it only comes out every 10,000 tugs and um Merle's just like or you could just hit the button <laughs> which I think that's actually how they do it in Disneyland they just randomly pick one kid to press the button for out of like every how many and they pull the sword out right. and like, yeah you did it you don't get anything but you did it <laughs> right do you not get anything if you pull it out at Disneyland I think you make it like a sticker or something but that's about it oh well why do I even try I thought it was like important it's like you get one fast pass and that's it i thought it was like full house like you become princess oh for the God, day yes. yeah. oh. dude i loved when the old uh like abc sitcoms would do the disney episode mm-hmm. they really need to bring that back that'd be great but yeah um so yeah he gets the sword and he goes to the balcony because apparently nobody was seated in the balcony which is weird and he just jumps onto this inflatable and just starts stabbing it. And it deflates and everyone's saved. He notices the phantom standing behind the screen because, you know, movie theaters just have space behind the screen. It's not just a wall, apparently. And Brian, not Brian, I get Pete and Brian picking stuff for something. Pete jumps through the screen. He literally tears the screen apart. And in silhouette, they show him and the phantom physically fighting. Like they trade blows, but we don't they see really it do. because Disney Disney Channel. Yeah, they throw some right. hands, and then he comes out and he's like, I guess tie. Does he tie the Phantom or he just has him? And he unmasks him, and it's of course the Phantom is Sean. 
Yep. Who uh, else was shocked? Yeah. It was Sean all along. Wow. I well, mean, this was y'all's first time watching it, so were you shocked? I, you know, I wasn't like super shocked or anything, and it made a lot of sense, but I wasn't 100% sure who it was mm-hmm. because he did get keep getting tied up. So I was like, so he just tied himself up? Okay, yeah. Cool. I want to know how he hung himself on the door. Yeah. Yeah. I need to do that. Yeah, I feel like when it was revealed, I wasn't like too shocked because like all the red herrings really had been taken out of the equation. Like it wasn't Louis Mason, wasn't Merle. Like the only other real character we still had in the play in play was Sean, unless they pulled a real crazy twist and it was like uh it was Pete's mom because she didn't want him to work anymore. Right. Or it was um Donnie somehow. Right. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been great. No, they should have done like they should have shot two endings and one should have been Donnie. Yes. They should have, like with like they with Clue where they shot multiple endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes, Sean is revealed to be the Phantom, and yet the weirdest part of this whole movie, Niedermeyer doesn't arrest him. Yeah, he he's just, just says, like you're fired. You're fired. You're banned from all of my movie theaters. You'll never work in the state again. But we're not arresting you. Which yeah. He he's like, do- I just wanted you to know my name. <laughs> yeah, because that was his like, thing. I did this for attention. Like he literally is just flat out, I did this for attention. Well, because nepotism. Yeah. Because we even finally meet the son-in-law and he doesn't even know where the projector booth is. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. John gets fired. He's banned from all the movie theaters. But then the director of Midnight Mayhem approaches him and says, I want to make a movie out of this. We'll be partners. Mm-hmm. Now go get me a coffee. Yep. So it's like implied that despite the fact that he's apparently getting a movie made out of him, Sean's still going to get treated like crap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that that's our villain defeat. And now it's time for the four-star ending, which basically is everyone in this movie theater forcing George to propose to the mom. He really doesn't have a ring. <laughs> really, though? But don't worry. Movie Mason to the rescue. He has a prop ring because apparently he just carries a prop ring around with him. He's like, for I always props for emergencies. Yeah, so George proposes, though it feels like neither him or the mom really wanted it to happen tonight, but everyone in this theater is just staring at them. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Whoo. That's how I want to get proposed to. <laughs> Honestly, though. Like, make it so they can't say no. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. So they propose, they're going to get married. Everyone's like, woo. And then Niedermeyer approaches Pete and says, well, now that Sean's fired, do you want to become the manager of this whole movie theater, even though you're only 17? And I'm pretty sure that violates even more labor laws. And then he's, yeah. like, he's like, even though this is what I've wanted for pretty much ever, nah, because time with my family is more important. And I want the night off. Yes, <laughs> he's like, I want the night off, and then um, need oh gosh, how do you say that guy's name? Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you deserve it, and he gives him a fifty. He gives him a fifty and tells him to take Caitlin out to breakfast, which makes me think, how late in the night is it? Is it? It's probably, mid- it's probably like mid a midnight. Oh, it's called midnight mayhem, so I oh, assume yeah. it's at midnight. midnight, and then they'll probably get out at like. 
1 30 or 2 a.m and go go to yeah. waffle house or something they're gonna go to ihop heck yeah i wrote that that's my last note my last note my last note says hell yeah we're getting ihop yeah mm-hmm. and that's how it ends everyone's going into up. the theater for the movie <laughs> and movie mason's talking to brian he says listen i never really believed in the phantom of the megaplex but the werewolf of the megaplex on the other hand it's an entirely different story and then we end with like a wolf howl and that's how the movie ends so we need that sequel still of werewolf at the megaplex just um re just um recast brian they should bring the whole yeah recast the republican or just don't have them come back but they should bring everyone else back bring everyone else back we bring the original cast back like Pete's they all still come from working at that megaplex parts of the country years later yeah all the racy lacy ricky rules everyone leaves their like careers from different states comes back to this one small town no 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 they come back to remember movie mason who's now passed <gasps> oh no that's how they get everyone back it's like we have to it's movie mason's funeral i thought we were gonna we were gonna do like a I thought, I thought we were gonna do like a cgi like paul oh. walker type of thing <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the end of this movie. So let's get everyone's final thoughts and score out of 10. Sarah, as our guest, would you like to go first? Sure. I can't remember when I gave this when we did it. But also, Um, we do out of 10, so we give you five more numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we often do halves too so you can always do like something point something didn't you do like 7.8 for one of them yes i did i did yeah that's what Juan does too i'll give this an eight i guess a solid eight i don't think it's perfect i don't think it's the best decom um but it's my personal favorite right fair enough right okay Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it an 8.2 because like why not? I don't know why I added the point to you, but I just I did. Um I also same lines as Sarah. I think it's a well done deke. I think that it has all the um all the makings of a good decom like we were kind of talking about with mom hesitate with a vampire last time. I feel like we've actually had like a lot of solid or a couple of just pretty solid decoms recently that have all those components to actually be strong, pretty strong stories. Um, they're captivating. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think that there are better decoms, but it's definitely like really solidly done in my opinion. Jake? Yeah, I have to agree with both of you. It is pretty solidly done. I like the, I like the writing. I like most of the acting. It's, you know, it's a good time. It's a fun, like, kind of spooky whodunit movie, you know. It's not full-on, like, Mom, Daddy, or the Vampire spooky, but it's, like, you know, mystery. And, you know, I think I'll agree with you guys. I think I'll give this one an eight, which is pretty good. Okay. Okay. All right. Now that we've reached the end of the episode, let's do a little uh, plug, a little plug. So, Sarah, why don't you go first? Where can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you? Oh God, don't find me. Um, <laughs> no, you, you can find me, I guess. Um, my Twitter is at Real McCoy Tweets. 
that's real as in like a movie reel or if you're really in a fish um yeah just go there um and then there's links to podcasts from planet weird over there so i don't know yes you guys click over there yeah you and juan great episode great great episodes great podcast you just released your mighty ducks 2 episode today the day we're recording this just today we had to record it twice because juan didn't hit the record button the first time and that's that's professionalism baby that's why juan isn't here because he wasn't exactly why no it's kidding we love you Juan. (laughs) i don't even think juan remembers this movie anyway so it's fine (laughs) all right kate what about you where can people find you you can find me at kv random on instagram or at kate v random on twitter and jake where can our listeners find you and the podcast right so you can find me on twitter at jake blue 98 find me on instagram at jake blue art follow the podcast on twitter at t s o s n podcast you had to go for the initials there because twitter handles need to be short apparently and you can find us on instagram at something new pod and now also before we go kate are you ready to learn what we're going to be watching for our season one finale i am because i honestly have no idea <laughs> all right so for next episode which is our quote unquote season one finale i mean we'll still be doing our normal schedule but you know i'm just yeah. doing this for organization's sake um <laughs> we will be watching the the final decom from 2000 the Let's ultimate go. christmas present Wow. wow christmas in july christmas in- truly i'm excited because i love christmas stuff so actually that I'm one will down. be coming out in august oh yeah because well, this episode well, never mind. That's, that's okay because we record and then we post the following week because we post every other but yes yeah we are season one finale which i feel is very very fitting that we'll be covering the final decom from 2000 but yeah, that's the end of our show. Thank you once again to Sarah for joining yes, us. Thank you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. It was a fun time. We discussed your favorite decom, which was really good. You know, we all enjoyed it. It was a fun time. But yes, thank you, Sarah, for coming. Yay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm glad you guys liked it and we don't have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to fight. Like We will not throw phantom. hands behind a, a, behind a screen. screen. Right. <laughs> but all right, everyone, that'll do it for us. Just remember now, if you are listening to this on apple podcast you can leave us a rating and review we'd really like it if you're listening this uh, to this on anchor which is um the podcasting app in which you can record and post your own podcast just like we are you can leave a voice message for us on that and we'd also love to hear from you but all right this will do it for us this episode we will see you all next time for our season one finale bye bye